Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Joining me in the studio this hour are award-winning artists Laurel Ann Maurer and her friends Pam Jones, Richard Jones, and Denson Angulo. There is a theme for today's show, well, actually two of them, Baroque and Blue. And today we'll hear music of C.P.E. Bach, Telemann, and Claude Bowling. Flutist Laurel Ann Maurer has recorded a dozen CDs, two of which were nominated for Grammy Awards, More American Flute Works, and Jeff Manukian's Flute Concerto. She's performed at the Kennedy Center, Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, and toured throughout the United States, Europe, and Asia. She's visiting from Barrie, Vermont, where she heads the Vermont Virtuosi, a concert series dedicated to bringing chamber music to the public free of charge. She also has local ties to Utah, having regularly performed as part of the Park City International Chamber Music Festival, and she was principal flute with the Salt Lake Symphony. We're thrilled to have Laurel and her friends here today, and we'll chat with each of them throughout the hour, but first let's go for Baroque with C.P.E. Bach's Sonata in G Major for Flute and Keyboard.
We've just heard all three movements of CPE Bach's Sonata in G Major for flute and keyboard, performed live by Laureland Mauer and friends. This is a Baroque and Blue episode of Highway 89. More about that in a minute. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, Laurel Ann Mauer. Laurel, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having us, Steve. Oh, I have to ask this secret question I've always <laughs> oh, wanted to I ask know a what professional. It is. Okay, go ahead. Well, the one I think you think it is is flute or flout. Right. Well, my teacher used to say it's flutician. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Most flutists like to be called flutist. I think flautist is just an old-fashioned term, although I don't think it's incorrect. We will stick with flutist and try not to flout it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, but here's my secret question that I've, my burning question, which is it, it takes so much air to play the flute. It seems like as maybe even more than some of the other woodwinds. Is that true? Well, I don't know if it takes more, but you sure have to control it with your lips, where we don't have a reed where we have to blow air into or a mouthpiece, so we have to form pretty strong muscles in our lips to be able to make a very small, it's called aperture. And so it's not volumes and volumes of air, it's a lot of control of your air. So if the wind section held a breath-holding contest, is there one section that would win? You know, my guess would be the oboe. Okay. <laughs> oh, we'll, we, we should have one of those sometime. I don't think that's an actual musical event. But you, you play so much repertoire on everything from the piccolo to the bass flute mm-hmm. and the ones in between. And you've even commissioned works. And I wonder what made you think, I want to commission something. I want to have an original piece to play. You know, it really all began in college when I was often selected to play um, new music that some of the professors had written. A lot of the professors where I went to school were composers, and I just really enjoyed working with composers, the creative process of um, coming together as a performer with the ideas of the composer. And in my early part of my career, um, I just fell into that, knowing composers, composers wanting their music to be played, um, and I'm still doing it. So when, <laughs> when you have a composer and they say, well, what are you looking for? Are you talking about a feeling or something in the Baroque style? or, or... Well, sometimes I will seek out a composer because I like their style. 
um, most of the time I will leave it up to them because if I, I want them to have the creative freedom to express whatever my playing might inspire them to think of, I sort of want to leave it to them, but occasionally I will have asked for specific things, and it, it depends if I have what I have in mind, but usually it's only in two cases, I think, where I've actually said what I wanted. Most of the time I leave it to the composer. Well, tell me, last question here, we want to hear more music. We're calling this Baroque and Blue today. What, why that juxtaposition of, of genres? Well, the first section of the upcoming piece by Claude Bowling, the um, Suite for Flute and Jazz Piano, is called Baroque and Blue. And my idea was to create a concert using that title. The first half of the program is all Baroque music. The second half is the Claude Bowling Suite. And the way he wrote the piece is that the flute is more of a classical instrument where the the piano and the bass and possibly drums if you have it we have our bass player here with us tonight will be the, more of the jazz element so um, it's the character of the flute that carries over from the baroque and classical into the claude bowling suite and it seemed to be a really good match well let's let you take your place over there with the ensemble we will be listening to a piece by first we heard from cpe bach and this is his godfather George Philip Telemann, Sonata for Flute and Piano with Cello Obligato. We'll be listening to the first two movements. Thank you. 
Live from the BYU Broadcasting Studios, Laurel Ann Maurer and Friends performing Telemann's Sonata for Flute and Piano with Cello Obligato. You are listening to Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Our next guest plays in the Vanguard String Quartet and recently graduated from high school. He's also the one who supplied the obligato on the last piece. Welcome, Richard Jones. Hello. <laughs> Very good to have you. <laughs> now, you're playing this Baroque cello, and the first thing I notice is you're holding it wedged between your knees. <laughs> yeah, um, the end pin, they didn't have end pins back then. So that was so. the way it was played back, back then. Yep. So what is it about the Baroque cello, about creating or recreating that ancient sound that you love? Um. Well, first of all, we use gut strings on a uh-huh. Baroque cello, and it's a completely different feel from from the steel, steel strings that we use on modern cellos. So is it a difference in volume, or is it tone as well? It's both. They're much softer. They're much um, more loose, I guess. You have to... It's more spinning the string as you pull it, rather than just using pressure from the bow. So even the way you play it, is different in the Baroque style. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, you also, we, we should congratulate you. You're heading off to the Jacobs School of Music at Indiana University in Bloomington with a scholarship, no less. <laughs> so obviously, technically very proficient. But you also play the viola da gamba. Yeah. The immediate question is, why and where do you find one? <laughs> well, um, I heard about it because my mom was in the early music ensemble at the University of Utah. And... I thought gamba was close enough to cello, I could try it. So how big for our listeners? I mean, bigger than a viola? It's much bigger than a viola. Smaller than a cello or, or the um, same? It's about the same. It's oh. kind of like a mix of a cello and a guitar. But with seven strings. Yeah. Do you ever pluck it? Yeah, you do. All right. It well, also has frets. We, that's a little bit of a help there, <laughs> fretted instrument. We, we, we want to begin hearing some more music. We're going to hear the first piece of the of Claude Bowling's Suite for Flute and Jazz Piano. And we'll be adding uh, the double bass, and we'll be hearing the very first of the seven movements. This is Baroque and Blue. Thank you. 
and Blue, the theme for today's Highway 89, performed live by our special guests, flutist Laurel and Maurer and friends, Stephen Cap Perry here. Pam Jones is the coordinator for musicianship at the University of Utah School of Music. She also teaches the doctoral performance practice seminar and music theory, and we just heard her swinging it on alternate sections. <laughs> it, what is that like to change on the piano back and forth from the Baroque to the Blue? Well, it's it's a new experience for me because I'm a classical pianist, but I wanted to play this song ever since I heard it in seventh grade. Well, one of one of the critics of the time said, quote, this is a mix of Baroque elegance with modern swing. And I just wonder what the Strauss, Strausses would have thought of that jazz waltz. In I there. think they would have loved it. I bet you have a lot yeah. of fun doing that. Oh, it's that. so much fun. You use, because you're a pianist, you collaborate with so many different musicians. And I wonder what is it that makes someone not just a good solo pianist, but a good accompanist, because that can often make or break a, a solo performance and add so much confidence. Right. It's two different art forms, and um, we like to encourage uh, high school and college students to play often with other people so they can learn this skill, because oftentimes they just sit in a practice room and practice their really hard solo repertoire, but it's, it's a totally different skill set to, to uh, collaborate with other people. You also play the harpsichord with the Vivaldi Virtuosi Ensemble. You perform in their annual Vivaldi Candlelight concert. And tell me about this. Um, it's a, a fundraiser that they have every year. And uh, the Vivaldi Virtuosi are led by Gerald Elias and uh, with um, a lot of Utah Symphony players or professors and professional musicians from the area. And... Um, Temple Square loans us their beautiful Dowd harpsichord. It's the best harpsichord I've ever played on. It's fantastic. And um, it, it's fun for me. I've, I've had to really learn to play a lot of harpsichord over the last five years since I have been teaching the performance practice seminar. I, I did have some lessons in college and whatnot, but um, it's, it's very similar to jazz. You have to learn to improvise with, and, and read a figured bass line and make up a part. So it's very similar. Well, final question before we're back to the music. How did you and Laurel begin working together? Um, well, she asked me if I would play a piece that she had commissioned by one of Utah's most prominent composers, um, Marie Bennett Nelson. I might have had that backwards, Nelson Bennett. Uh, and Marie wrote this wonderful piece for flute, clarinet, and piano that we debuted back in 2009 uh, in Salt Lake City. And that's the first time I played with Laurel. I had heard her previously uh, when she was soloing with the Salt Lake Symphony. And she's just such a great person and player and, and collaborator. It's so much fun to play with her and with Denson and with Richard. We're going to hear another movement. I'll let you go take your place at the piano. Interesting, Black uh, or Baroque and Blue, once it was uh, released in a recording, it was on the Billboard Top 40 for 530 weeks that's 10 years. It was just a huge sensation. We're going to hear one more movement. This is the fifth movement called Irlandaise.
We're working our way through the suite for flute and jazz piano by band leader and composer Claude Bowling. He was born in France in Cannes and then moved to the States. He scored movies, and this is really fun to hear bit by bit, piece by piece. We just heard Irlandais. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Laurel Ann Maurer is our flutist extraordinaire today. She's been a concerto soloist with the Monte Carlo Philharmonic Orchestra, the Salt Lake Symphony, the Long Island Chamber Orchestra, and the National Flute Association's American Flutist Concerto Orchestra. But you mentioned once that you had a teacher who said, you, you ought to think, is there anything besides music that would make you more money and you'd still be happy? I think maybe all musicians have to answer this question. Did you come up with anything on the list? No, and that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't come up <laughs> with the you. list. That's, it's very I nice. I really wouldn't have been happy as a lawyer. Um, nothing against lawyers, but I love music. I just love it so much. Thank I'm you just for so, the disclaimer. We don't no, want lawyers No, uh, no, that, us. that's something that at one point I thought about. But I had a very wise teacher, and, and I think this was very good advice. When I told her I wanted to go into music and be a professional musician, she said, I want you to go home and think about it. And she said, if there's anything that you like to do as much as flute, you should do that instead because you will be happier and you'll make more money. And so I did go home and I racked my brain. I thought, well, once I thought about law school, once I thought about being a writer, this and that, and I said, no, my heart is with the flute. I've got to do it. And so I told her and she said, okay, that's great. And she helped me and I wouldn't be here if, unless it, you know, if yeah. it weren't for her. Well, and you, you are also a teacher. That's so correct. When I love you, teaching. When you work with students, I, I guess you have to know how fragile that confidence can be when they're working with an authority figure or someone who plays as well as you do. How do you tell, how can you tell whether they have it in their future or not? Or can you even tell? You know, you never can tell 100% because some people will surprise you. Some people, some students that you think maybe they're not as serious as they should be and then something happens and they get serious. Or some students win every competition and do absolutely fabulous and later on they say, well, you know, I've done it all, I want to do something else. So it's hard to predict, but I think um, when a student is dedicated and willing to put hours and hours into it, that's that's a good clue. <laughs> <laughs> How soon did you know it was the flute for you? Uh, when I was 16, I absolutely knew. And you just, you saw a performance or heard the music and you just No, thought... I'd been playing the flute for many years, but I think there's something about when you get into high school and you want to think about what you want to do with the rest of your life. And I had been, I just loved it so much. Um, uh, that's what I, that's all I wanted to do. Well, I always love meeting people who love what they do, so let's I'm let really you lucky. do more of it right now. We're going to hear another movement from the Suite for Flute and Jazz Piano by Claude Bowling. This is the fourth of the seven sections of this piece called the Fugace. Thank you. 
live from BYU Broadcasting Studios. That was Fugace, performed by Laurel Ann Maurer and Friends. You're listening to Highway 89. Denson Angulo has all sorts of credentials. In fact, he maybe has too many to summarize because he moves in so many different musical worlds. And Denson, you're in academics. You're also in the classical performing world, also in jazz. How much time did you have to spend in each of these worlds to become as accomplished as you are? Um, it's hard to answer, but an equal amount in each. <laughs> um, I just graduated from the University of Utah with my Doctor of Mus- Musical Arts, and my dissertation was talking about how one can play classical, play jazz, play electric bass, and how to cross over in between all those things. So yeah, that's what I do. Well, everything from the idea of improvisation. I think classical music used to, centuries ago, include a lot more of that improvisation, as Pam mentioned on the harpsichord. So that's a great skill to have. Yeah, it's great. Um, Playing in the Baroque uh, style, I can read figured bass and make bass lines off of keyboard parts or whatever. And it's really similar to jazz, where I read chord charts and make bass lines. Oftentimes when I'm playing jazz, the bass lines I play are 100% improvised. So when you first started playing bass, I mean, how tall were you? About this tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that I've had that bass since I was 16. I started playing uh-huh. uh, double bass when I was 16. Well, so, I was uh, wondering how old you are. You have to at least be old enough to hold it up. And there, that's a big instrument. Yeah. So do you have a cart somewhere, or do you just pick it up and haul uh, it off? The end pin, I can actually pull out and put in a wheel. Okay, it's like a little unicycle for the double bass. Well, we found a photo online of some of your instruments, and I think you have electric basses in just about every color. Yes, the rainbow. Uh, Is is this for, for, depending on the ensemble or your outfit or... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for the clothes. I hear we're um, never supposed to say the word outfit. (laughs) No, it's it's mostly for the the range of the instrument. Uh So I have the standard four-string electric basses, a five string, which adds a, a, a pitch below, and then uh, six and seven strings, which add pitches above, so I can play more soloistic stuff. Well, I have never known a guitarist who did not have several guitars, and evidently this compulsion carries over to bass players as well. Yeah, it does. So do you prefer, or, or, or maybe there's no preference, but what is the difference between bowing a piece, and then when you actually, for instance, on some of the jazz, really are are it's all pizzicato. Yeah, with the with the bow, of course, it's just a different tone, a different way to articulate the notes, um, and there are different ways to pluck too. Right now, I'm using a jazz pizzicato style, where you hear a lot of the the grit and the fingerboard mm-hmm. in there, and I'm kind of. Uh, taking the place of a drummer, too. I'm yeah, kind of, I heard you being the rhythm section over right. there for yeah. a minute. It's playing the bass drum mode. Thank you so much for coming. We'll let you pick up your massive double bass over there. And <laughs> we're going to hear, uh, appropriately enough, for our finale today, we'll listen to the seventh section and the final movement. This is Veloce, Veloce from the Suite for Jazz and Piano by Claude Bowling. Thank you. 
Veloce from Suite for Flute and Jazz Piano by Claude Bowling. That concludes another edition of Highway 89. Our guests today have been flutist Laurel Ann Maurer and her friends Pam Jones, Richard Jones, and Denson Angulo. Laurel Ann Maurer's playing has been described as technically superb in every way. She's recorded a dozen CDs and is a Grammy Award-nominated artist. She's performed at the Kennedy Center, Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, and toured throughout the United States, Europe, and Asia. She also heads the Vermont Virtuosi, a chamber music concert series in her home state. More information about her and her projects and performances available at laurelandmauer.com. That's M-A-U-R-E-R. It was a great program. Laurel, thank you for coming and bringing all, all the group. Thank you for having us. We also love to hear from our listeners, and we welcome your comments and questions. To contact us, simply send an email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thank you for listening.